This is the Daily Coaching Podcast, bringing you thoughts, discussions and expert insight into all things football and coaching. And it's like any young uh, player, you know, anytime you see premiership teams knocking on the door, you don't want to miss out on those opportunities. You know, the average kid trains one and a half uh, hours of training twice a week. That's only three hours a week of training, whereas kids in Europe, they train five times uh, out of the week. In this episode, we're talking soccer in the USA. And with us, we have ex-professional soccer legend, Eddie Johnson. Eddie has played over 300 professional games for clubs such as Fulham, Cardiff, Preston, numerous MLS sides, and has also represented the men's American national team on a number of occasions. We discuss how soccer in the USA has developed, what there is still left to do, and how he is now inspiring young players across the world through his training and development methods. I can't wait for you to hear how Eddie is leaving his mark on the game, so let's get into it. If you just want to kind of briefly discuss your playing background um, and your coaching background from where you started um, and up to where you are now. Yeah, so uh, thank, uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me uh, as, a, as a host on the a, on a, on a, on a, on a chat. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for this opportunity to be able to keep, uh, you know, spreading uh, awareness and knowledge within the game or around the world in, in relation to seeing the game continue to grow the way we which we, we wanted to do. So I'm happy to be a part of the chat. But a little bit about me is uh, uh, my background, originally small city, Bunnell, Florida, um, uh, where I got introduced to, to the game uh, at 10 years old. Uh, long story short, played, uh, you know, club soccer uh, in America, which we don't have academies uh, like they do in Europe. It's more of just you play for your, your, your local uh, travel team. And then you just kind of go from tournaments to tournaments. And, and uh, you know, at those tournaments, they have scouts that come around and, you know, scout, you know, young talent. And, uh, you know, going to those tournaments, I was, you know, I was discovered by, it's called uh, the U.S. Soccer Olympic Development uh, uh, Federation, where it's, uh, it's uh, a, a list of scouts that come and watch all the players in the northern, the, 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 the south northern region of, of America, which is from like Florida all the way up to like uh, Texas, as far as Texas, you know, they have certain scouts that are charged to go, that are in charge to go around and watch and try and discover, you know, uh, local talent around the country. And so I was able to be scouted and discovered by one of the regional uh, scouts that was in charge of the, the southeastern uh, 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 region and um, uh, of the country. And uh, I was I was around 14 years old at that time. So 14 years old at that time where I started playing uh, for uh, the youth national team, uh, the youth national team representing America at these, you know, you know, little uh, camps here in America. Uh, we weren't really traveling abroad at the time, uh, but just, you know, they have these certain camps throughout the, uh, throughout the year where they get the, the, the most talented players that are born in certain uh, years together. And then they just have us do these camps where they can kind of monitor us and see, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the way we were, you know, just to kind of keep an eye on us because the whole plan was to, you know, by the time we were 16 years old, uh, get us ready for the under 17 World Cup, uh, which which fell into my year, 1984. Um, so being a part of that that national team from 14, 15 to 16, uh, I was able to develop and grow uh, in the system. 
Um, and then I signed my professional contract like when I was years old, uh, right before the under-17 World Cup. And uh, I got drafted. They do a draft over in America, kind of like the, the NBA. It's kind of like American football. It's not like Europe where you, you come up through an academy and then you make the first team. They do an a, a MLS draft. Uh, so American influence, everything we do is American influence. Uh, it's the American way. It's the only way. Uh, but I got drafted in the second round, which is, uh, which is, which is late. Um, but the team at the time was called Dallas Burn, but now FC Dallas uh, in Major League Soccer. And uh, uh, that's how my uh, career kick-started. And uh, um, I signed a four-year deal with uh, Dallas at the time. And about three years in that contract is where, is where I, I kind of grew into myself as a player, where I started to show maturity, where the coach was uh, um, you know, confident and put me out on the pitch uh, to get results and score goals in important games. And uh, you know, halfway through that season, when I was 19 years old, so I got drafted when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. So in my third year, um, I got selected for the Under-20 World Cup. Uh, and that was the 1983. So it was, a, it was a mixture of the 1983s and a mixture of the 1984s, which I was playing a year up uh, on that national team uh, that got selected to go play in the U-20 World Cup in, in Dubai, uh, where I represented America. And we went on to make it to the quarterfinals. And I actually won the golden boot in that tournament where I scored the most goals. Uh, in that FIFA sporting venue. Uh, and then after the U-20 World Cup, um, started, uh, you know, uh, making my way up to the senior national team uh, where I started to, uh, started to uh, you know, gain a lot more exposure uh, for myself uh, from abroad, from European clubs. And uh, Fulham was one of those teams where uh, when I turned 22 years old, they bought me from MLS for, uh, at the time, was like the second highest uh, fee for an American player of $6 million to come play at Fulham. Uh, and then we all know my time over at Fulham, um, it, was, uh, it was up and down. Um, uh, and for many reasons. Uh, for one, it was, I was ready to have another challenge because of the success I was already having in MLS. Uh, so just like every player in their career, they want to be challenged. Um, and so I think, I thought it was time for me to make that next step uh, to the to the premiership and it's like any young uh, player you know anytime you see premiership teams knocking on the door you don't want to miss out on those opportunities um, so I made the jump to the premiership and I realized at the time uh, MLS premiership way up here <laughs> uh, from a tactical standpoint technical standpoint uh, the game was just so much more faster uh, so much more advanced than it was in MLS and uh, I found myself uh, in, a, in a difficult situation, but uh, if, if you knew the, the story of my life, my upbringing was always overcoming adversity uh, and being challenged and, uh, you know, walking straight through adversity uh, and having that mentality of never giving up and uh, always proving that, um, you know, to myself, uh, around better players or just as good players, um, you know, that's where growth, you know, uh, shows the most. And that's where character, where true character is divine. So I find myself in a big, you know, in a big situation where I was being challenged in the football world. But, you know, most people run away from it. Well, most Americans run away from it. And they're quick to run back to Europe. I mean, back to America, where I was like, no, this is what I need. You know, yeah. um, I'm learning a completely different 
style, looking at the game in a completely different way, opposed to how I was being taught as a young American growing up, and even as a young professional growing up, uh, there were things that, that I was missed out on where coaches didn't teach me where I'm learning here, but maybe because to society I'm not learning, and I'm not, I, I mean, maybe to society and to the blogs in America, uh, they're looking at it as if, as if it was a failure that I didn't play a lot, but in my eyes, I learned so much, yeah. you know, because I was introduced to another style of, of the game and, way, and the way it looked than, than I was that, that I was, was taught over in America. So um, I signed this three-and-a-half-year deal with Fulham, and I went on a couple of loan spells. Uh, I went to Carter City for a year uh, where, I played up, well, my, where I played up under um, uh, Dave Jones uh, at Carter City, um, which was a great manager too as well, where um, the manager – Royalum decided after the first six months that he wanted me to go off on loan and get more experience where I can get used to European football. And then I went to Carter City, which is a great club um, in, in England, who's up and down in the premiership and the, uh, the championship uh, in the last uh, decade, um, um, where, where I got more minutes, I was playing more, and, and I started to enjoy, enjoy my football. And I started to really get the, uh, the, the style uh, and adapt to the, Eng the English culture of where the game was played. And uh, I ended up going and playing and starting a lot of games uh, for Carter City. Um, and so I went back to Fulham after that for another six months. Uh, and at this time, the manager was different. Uh, Roy Hodgson then took the England manager job. And then um, Mark Hughes came in. Mark Hughes came in uh, as, a, as, as a Fulham manager. Um, and uh, Hughes, he was a great manager too as well. Um, um, different style than Roy, but... Uh, um, well-respected manager in Europe, was a great player, and, and it was amazing to learn up under his time. But my minutes were, were low, too, again. And so, again, it was uh, another challenge that I was facing. It was like, the, you know, new coach come in, yeah. you know, you try and impress in preseason, uh, but sometimes your best isn't good enough uh, because, you know, maybe they have other objectives and other ideas of players that they, you know, want to bring into the, uh, and, and, into the squad uh, to, that fit best for the system that they were trying to, but again, all of those challenges, uh, again, were building me to who I am today um, and what I'm doing today right now. So long story short, uh, uh, things didn't work with Husey. Went on another loan spell right before the 2010 World Cup uh, because of the manager in America at the time was saying, you know, I need to, you know, be playing, you know, week in and week out to give myself a chance to go uh, to the, the World Cup in South Africa in 2010. So I went on loan to Greece. Uh, where I played for Aries uh, uh, in the Greek uh, first division league, where I went on and I started and I played games. Ended up getting myself into that, uh, that, that, that pre-World Cup squad, and then I was cut in the actual, uh, you know, pre-World Cup squad where they had to, you know, they take in 30 players, and then they, they narrow it down to a roster. 20 of the seven players that got cut and ended up missing out on South Africa. Um, but again, for me, um, it was a success for me because – the lack of minutes playing in Fulham, um, I missed out on a lot of uh, U.S. national team games for about 18 months. And then to go on a second loan spell and having to and having fighting, you know, my way back into the squad was uh, was just like going to the World Cup for me as far as, uh, you know, proving that I still have what it takes to, you know, put my put put my, uh, you know, put me back in the plants manager as far as you know trying to pick a certain selection of strikers that he wanted to go uh that was best fit for the team uh in south africa and so um after my loan spell in aries uh 
I came back again to Fulham uh, for about six months. Uh, again, Hughesy was still there. Um, played a little bit, but not as much minutes as I wanted to. And I was coming to the end of my, uh, my, uh, my, my contract. And we know how uh, the work permits work. Okay. Uh, as a foreign player, you got to have over you – ha- you have to have played over 75% of the games over that three-and-a-half-year uh, period. Uh, to be granted another working visa. So my minutes were low, again, under Husey. And I said, you know what? I got to go on a lo- another loan spell uh, to try and give myself a chance to, you know, you know, um, gain the interest of other managers that are out there uh, because I didn't want to go back and play in America because the education over there was just so much more better. You know, and I want to be over here and I need this in order to keep growing because if I know if I go back to America, I'm not going not gonna to learn anything anymore. So I went on loan to... Um, uh, Preston North End, where it was uh, Phil Brown. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Phil Jones, Phil Jones, Phil Jones was the coach. Uh, and uh, again, I played a lot of, lot of minutes up under uh, uh, the gaffer there. And, um, you know, was hoping that uh, um, I'll never forget having to talk with him at the end of the, the year uh, because when they brought me over again, Preston North End was, you know, at the bottom and trying to stay up in the championship. And uh, he brought me over, and I remember uh, he was talking to me, you know, kind of in the middle of the, my, my loan spell. He said, you know, if we stay up uh, in the championship, I'm going to come for you uh, uh, next season, you know. And so, you know, that was, that was refreshing to hear, you know, after, you know, making a jump to Europe and having all of this adversity from going loan spills to this team, to that team, going back to Fulham, thinking yeah. you're going to have an opportunity to be the loan out again, uh, where you finally find a manager where they believed in you, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, they saw, saw, you know, you being a part of their, pre- their planes going forward. So it was refreshing. It was really refre- uh, refreshing. Uh, but those three and a half years have prepared me for what I'm doing right now, as far as, uh, giving back to the younger generation. Uh, as you can see what I'm doing on Instagram, uh, like you said, uh, uh, on a, a small group, uh, basis, as far as focusing on positional specific, um, uh, uh, coaching, uh, helping young players, uh, uh, create an environment to help young players, uh, you know, develop because we all know training twice a week with your clubs, not enough, you know, how the system is designed here in America, you know, the average kid trains one and a half, uh, hours, um, um, of training twice a week. That's only three hours a week of training. Whereas kids in Europe, they train five times uh, out of the week. You know, so, so it's, it's well. not enough. Um, it's not enough hours, which is going to develop the kids. So, you know, what I did when I had to re- when I when I was retiring was trying to think of how can I create a way where where I can still have an impact in the game and and create an environment where kids can grow uh, and reach their full potential and give them a chance to be able to uh, experience, you know, uh, you know what I experienced, you know, um, and so uh, that's that's where I find myself right now is. Uh, as a as an influencer, a mentor, not really a coach, more of a mentor and an influencer of where I'm taking all my knowledges of the game and I'm just pouring it all back into the younger generation over here in America. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like a couple of points to pick up there. I mean, number one, obviously, like I said, an incredible journey, but I think a journey isn't incredible unless it has its ups and downs. And a journey isn't even a journey unless it has its ups and downs. Um, and right. I think the big thing is that like you said, it's you know, number one, how you overcome them. Number two, what you take from them because like you said obviously there may have been some clubs where you've been at and maybe you didn't have as much game time but like you said you hit a nail on the head there where you went about the experience the knowledge you was able to gain from whether it be just the culture whether it be from the managers that you was working under or whether it even be from other players as well I mean 
You know, everyone right. comes from totally different areas, uh, uh, places within the world, and they're all going to have experienced different upbringings. Some tough, some maybe a little bit easier. And it's, it's finding that. I mean, like, I remember talking to a few coaches about sort of, I know you said obviously in America they don't have academy settings, but it's interesting, like you said there, I mean, I think that's incredible how America do it in terms of the trials for these sort of national uh, age groups, first of all, because over here, you know, you'd have to sort of play for such a long period of time and be within a, not only a grassroots club, but an academy club before you even almost get looked at by a sort of a national coach. Um, so it's incredible to see right. that sort of comparison there. But um, even in terms of that sort of outlook and aspects on it, um, you know, when these players sometimes within academies over here, you have such a range of individuals. You have some of the individuals who come to training by themselves. You have some of the uh, individuals who come to training by the parents who bring them. Um, and I've always kind of said that, not necessarily to make it, but um, when parents advise or say, you know, how can my child get further within the game? I always say it's a mixture of talent, motivation and opportunity. Because, you know, you may be very talented at what you do. You may have the utmost uh, motivation to push as far as you want to get. If you don't have the opportunity, so you either A, don't have the clubs within your area, B, you don't have the opportunity to actually get across to the sessions and where they are. Like you said there about um, in America, you know, you might train once or twice a week um, compared to, say, for example, in Europe where they train, like you said, four or five times a week. And that's just within football, let alone other sports they may play as well. Um, so it is that kind of mixture of, 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 of the, of the three things, I think. Um, so kind of like we said, so at the moment, obviously, you know, incredible journey in terms of playing background, uh, fantastic experiences, um, and obviously more than capable of passing that experience and that knowledge onto the younger generations. And I like the word you use there in terms of you know, mentor and influencer, because I think sometimes the word coach is perceived as a certain type of character and, you know, it's very right. sort of do right. this, do that. And I think like you said, right. there, mentor, that's what, you know, coaches technically are, but then that's also what people who are, like you said, you're doing it to help the individuals. You're not doing it to right. just throw the knowledge because that's one thing, but it's like you said, it's helping them get to where they want to do and where they want to get to is totally different for everybody. Some, it may right. just be playing the game. Um, like you said earlier on about just kicking your football around. You know, that might right. be someone's love of the game. Somebody else's right. love of the game might be getting into an academy. Somebody else's love right. of the game might be building and going abroad and, you know, all these right. fantastic things. But um, so kind of moving into, like I say, currently where you're at now, um, I've always kind of said that I think players of the game, and even when we're coaching players as well, that we're almost coaching them to become the next generation of coaches or, like you said, influencers or mentors, because obviously if we're educating them in the right way, then they're able to gain that knowledge and that experience as well. So what are the kind of current pathways at the moment within um, America in terms of not only a playing pathway, because I mean, you kind of mentioned it there as well, but a coaching pathway? Because did you ever take any of your badges when you were a player or did that come sort of after the, the, the playing experiences? So, so, so actually, I haven't taken my badges at all. Okay, I okay. I haven't, I haven't taken them at all. Um, and so... Um, so I retired, uh, about five years ago, five years ago now. And yeah. I was discovered, they, they discovered I had a heart condition. And so I was, I was forced to retire. Um, and in the midst of retiring, you know, I was just, you know, at the time dealing with my health first and foremost, you know, trying to yeah. figure out, you know, what was the severity of it? You know, how can I transition and walk down this next phase of my life over the limitations? Um, but when they told me 
but 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 when but when they told me um that exercise is actually good for my condition i said well you know what soccer has been a part of my entire life this is all i know how can i still go down uh uh how can i stay within the football uh world uh, and still have an influence and still have an impact but do it my way and so the unique thing about what i do uh and why it's different than what everyone else is doing because it's you know like you say like how i may see the game may be different than the way you see the game you know how i love the game as a player uh maybe different in the way you love the game as the player right our personalities and the way we play may be different doesn't mean that um it's not effective the, the way we choose to do it it's just it's what what made me love the game made me fall in love with the game so a lot of what made me fall in love with the game was uh when i first started playing soccer was brazilian influence um brazilian influence um and it was the 94 world cup when i first started playing soccer at 10 years old um and so when i retired um i said so there's a certain limitation to as far as how much i can exercise but i can still exercise how can i create something in the soccer world that's di completely different than what U.S. soccer is doing. Because being a kid that's inside the U.S. Soccer Federation, everything's so robotic. You know, it's like, like you said, it's a bunch of coaches that's trying to build, uh, generate the next generation players of that's players of, of the previous players that used to play in our, in, on our national team. Yeah. So they tried to, young Eddie Johnson coming up as a, as, a, as a forward in this country, they're trying to develop him into being the next Brian McBride that was at Fulham when I was there, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, but I don't agree with that because there's certain aspects and dynamics of the game that I had that Brian McBride didn't have. He didn't have pace. He didn't have speed. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't someone that take players on one-on-one. -on -one. So why would you want to make me the next Brian McBride? Because then now it takes away from all of my great attributes that I have that are different than him. Yeah. So what happened is, is what I started seeing is a generation, as we know, the game keeps growing generation after generation. So if you don't grow with the game, then, then the game's going to outgrow you. You can't teach a striker now how to be a striker 30 years ago. A striker 30 years ago isn't going to be an impactful player in the moderation game because the game's different now. And so when I saw, when I used my, all my experiences in Europe, which was the best education from me, uh, for me, but to societies, I, to, I fell, but it, it prepared me so much for this new path that I went down. So from a tactical and organizational standpoint, Europe was the best education for me. You know, it taught me, um, you know, the importance of uh, a, a spatial awareness on the field, always, uh, you know, having a picture in your mind and being one and two steps ahead of the opposition, uh, you know, how important your first touch is body positioning and when you're opening up your body and, and and being unpredictable in your play when to get it give it or when to get it dribble play get it back like it, it taught me so many different dynamics um in the game of tactically how to be um impactful in the game without having one dimension to your game whereas in america it never taught me that right and then i used to see in my uh career or even growing up i see a lot of the best Brazilian players coming to Europe. And so I was like, man, if Brazil's the best, was one of the best countries, you know, when I was growing up, why would they come to Europe? Yeah. And so as I started learning more of the game, you know, they come to Europe because the Brazilian league is so based upon individualism. 
you see center backs dribbling out of the back, you know? <laughs> like, before Pep even started with this oh, outside fullback, uh, outside attacking fullback, the Brazilians were doing that back in the day. You know, yeah, every yeah. Brazilian player had great feet. You know, they could yeah. dribble out of the back and do stepovers and scissors out of the back, and they do it at the, at the, at, 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 during the biggest games ever, you know? And so, you know, when I, when I started, as I got older in my career, I was like, man, what's different? Why is England? Why is Germany? Why is Brazil? Why is France? Why are they de developing world-class players all the time? But in America, we're not. Yeah. So what I did was modify my environment around my experiences in Europe and then my influence by the South Americans. And, 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 and that's something America doesn't do. We don't teach kids the, the beauty in dribbling. We take dribbling out of the equation in youth development. You're dribbling too much, pass the ball, right? So when a kid gets the ball, right, sometimes it may take them to dribble out of that certain situation, whereas we're not teaching them the tactical part of the importance of one and two touch and how important your first touch needs to be, yeah. right? It was more of get it, give it, get it, give it. This is what the coaches teach you. But there was no, no, no um, logic behind why we were getting it and giving it. It was just come on and from third to third, right? And how our body needs to be positioned. We had no real influences around us that has played at the highest level, right? Because when coaches retire over here, they don't get back into grassroots. They don't go back into academies. They want a head coaching job or they just go completely away from the game. So yeah. what happens is you get a lot of former players over in Europe pouring back into the younger generation, right? Which these kids are going to listen to because they're listening to people that have been there and done that. So they're going to pay attention more, right? Yeah. And so, so I wanted to be one of the first influencers that had a real, real, real uh, impact on the grassroots and take that, like I said, that Brazilian influence, which is comfortability on the ball, you know, is first and foremost for developing. You know, a parent comes to me and say, uh, my kid lacks confidence um, uh, on the field. And the first thing I, I can say is, you know, they haven't been in an environment that taught them the importance of, uh, having comfortability on the ball with all different surfaces of the foot. And that's the foundation. You know, yeah. it's like you can't teach a kid to, to run before they walk. You got to teach them to walk before they run. I'll even go back before that. A kid starts crawling before they yeah. stand up, yeah. you know, yeah. and then before they stand up and take steps, they start walking, right? So it's step by step. And, and what I found in, American, in, in America's system, it's like they skip a lot of steps and they focus on just winning. So they want to get all the best players, the most physical, strong players at the grassroots level on one team and win because why? That's what sells parents. That's what makes parents what invest good. money into the, 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 the clubs, which is a club is the organization, and they need money in order to grow. So they're not really focusing on develop, developing. They're focusing on financial gain. And so it's a system. It's called pay-to-play in America. And so I wanted to go back and show them no, you got to put real work in like they are doing in England and like they're doing in Brazil in order for these kids to grow and reach their full potential. And that's how I modify my environment on real work. You can't take shortcuts. You got to build the kids up from the, from the ground up, you know, and yeah. it's comfortability on the ball. Once they start to become comfortable and have good comfortability on the ball, it's teaching them how to be effective now on the dribble and yeah. win the dribble to be, in the, yeah. be effective off the dribble, right? And then once they start to become effective off the dribble, you add the other dynamic to them, and then that's the spatial awareness of receiving and passing and moving, right? Mm -hmm. And arriving into spaces, right? 
And when you arrive in these, it, and before you arrive into these spaces, right, knowing where the defender is, how the defender's position, and where you want to move that defender out of that space so you can utilize that space. So that's the tactical part of it before, after they become comfortable on the ball. And so that's what I've done, I've, I've, I've been able to do in a small group setting, right, and just find kids like you say it's not for everybody and not everybody wants to be pushed and not every kid wants to become a professional soccer player but try and target the ones or find the ones that want to uh, be pushed and and want to have a chance to experience uh the things that i have experienced or wants to just work hard enough to be on a top team and maybe the top team is that that's it or maybe yeah. just want to work hard enough just to uh use soccer to get a free education and get a scholarship whatever it means but to create a real environment to kind of expose the lack of what U.S. soccer is not doing. Because, you know, I go back and I look at my time in Europe, um, and I don't know if you know his name. His name is Jermaine Jones. Jermaine Jones. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, played yeah, with yeah. him on the U.S. national team. He yeah, grew yeah. up German-American. He played for Schalke. Yeah, yeah. So he has, he's doing his podcast. It's called 13 and Me. And I was like, when I was saying that, that I struggled in Europe into societies, to society in America and all the blogs, I failed. He said, no, 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 don't use that terminology. You didn't fail, the system failed you. And I was like, man, you know what? Because that's the first thing I say. People say, when you went to Europe, what was different? I said, man, it's just gonna sound crazy. The only thing that was different is, man, their decision-making so quick. Their first touch is so clean. Their understanding of the game, how they move on the pitch, how they know how to link up with players to get to where they want to be, the pictures that they see. I was like, it, it sounds so simple, but it's so hard if you haven't been in an environment that it has instilled that into you and haven't modified their environment around to teach you the importance and the beauty behind passing and moving. You know, yeah. they don't teach you that in America, right? And so I said, that's something that I struggled over because in America, they teach you, you're fast, use your speed. Stay up top. He's going to kick it long. Outrun everybody. Yeah. When you go over in Europe, man, that's, that's, that's one-dimensional, right? That's, you're labeled as raw. You're a raw player. You know, fast, strong, physically strong, got pace. But what else? They take away your the, – the, everyone's just as physical over there. They're just as fast. And even the defenders aren't, that aren't fast tactically are smart and know how, to, know how to make the field small and know how to break the field down and, and limit your space just because of their positioning, their understanding of how to defend you, right? So when they take away all of that, what's the, what, what do you have now? And so America don't teach you that, right? And so that's what I'm teaching these kids right now. The things that, that stop me from succeeding, how can I create an environment uh, in America and give it to the young kids so they don't face the same struggles that I have, that I, yeah. that I face at 22 years old? Because at 22 years old, that's late to develop. Yeah. You know, can you develop them now while they're 10, 12, you know? And so that's what I'm doing right now. And so I don't have any coaching badges. I'm just kind of, you know, right now I'm enjoying, you know, coaching in small groups, right? I think, I'm, you know, I'm taking my time with it. You know, it's step by step. I think later on when I want to get into like a coaching, coaching role where I want to, you know, be in a, be, have a, a youth team and, 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 and talk about a certain system and a style that I want to play. All right, then I'll start to go and, and uh, go for my uh, badges right now. But everything I'm doing right now is, is a real experience of yeah. being a former player and teaching these kids what it takes on a day-to-day -day basis in order to give yourself a chance to accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think as well, like, I mean, you know, obviously as 
asking about the badges, but I, I kind of agree with you. I, I personally, I think I've gone down the opposite route. So I was, you know, very keen headed, got to get my badges, got to get my badges, you know, got to get them as quick as possible. Um, and I need them because if I get higher badges then it means that I can move on to potentially bigger jobs and bigger opportunities. However, I mean, I've been coaching now for about say 14, 15 years and I've kind of, like I said, gone the reverse and thought to myself, well, listen, I know people who do not have any badges at all and are just as competent, knowledgeable, um, in terms of as well, not even just in terms of the understanding of the game, but as you as a person, because I think that's what a lot of people forget about. You know, they may go, well, I know this and I know that, um, and I know when to use it. But if they can't build relationships and build rapport with players, with parents, um, then, you know, that's a whole totally different thing. So I've kind of, yeah, thought to myself that, you know, in my eyes, badges, and don't get me wrong, I get why they're there. I do get why they're there, because it's a baseline of understanding that, you know, you'll be kind of taught in a particular way. And also, um, it's kind of a benchmark of, you know, whether it be from bigger organizations being able to say, look, we have X amount of so-and-so coaches at our club. Um, but, if I'm being honest, I think they're job indicators, not ability indicators. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and Absolutely. that's a big thing. Um, Absolutely. And, and like you said, like what you're, what the perfect thing you're able to do and something which I'm doing now with myself in terms of myself going from the backwards route of doing more team-based coaching to now doing more individual-based coaching as well, of it's so much funner in the sense of you're not restricted by your organization you're not restricted by your club your company of saying you have to do this like you said um we want every single player we have player a to z but every player from a to z needs to look like player a no it's i get to work with the players when i want how i want um at the right time at the right development and it's not even necessarily you're creating your own coaching or playing philosophy but you're making it specific and adaptable to who you have in front of you. You know, like we said, some of these players you're going to get, some of them may be technically gifted already. And you question, you know, what, what more do you need to develop in? But as you start to learn more about that player's journey and that player's um, reasoning for why they're doing it, like you said, is it to play in Europe? Is it to get a scholarship? Is it just because they want to do it for fun? Is it because they want to become a top pro? Um, boys or girls as well. And I think that's one of the biggest things. I think, um, especially from a sort of, you say, European, but English point of view, America was always seen as the place to develop for girls. And there used to be a lot of women who went over to America and it was seen as that's where they do it. Um, whereas now, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still very highly respected and very highly um, in terms of their standards over there. But now you've obviously got the uh, WSL over here. So it's, it's, you know, it's that thing now of thinking, well, there's a lot of, like I said, scholarships. I mean, that's a big thing over in England. A lot of people wanting to get on scholarships to go over to America to go and play football, to go and play soccer. Um, and yeah, I find it so interesting that, you know, like there is no, listen, like you said. And then it's the opposite. It's the opposite for the men's. Yeah. Men, yeah. We're, we're, men, we're trying to get to Europe young, you know, but at the time when I was coming through, they were, yeah. they were trying to stop all the young, talented kids to try and build Major League Soccer. Yeah, you know they were they were stopping all the young kids now, but now if the kids are good now, they're they're sending them to Europe now because the league is developed now. You know, you know, and to and to and, and to not to cut you off, you know, like you said, when you think of soccer in America, you think of the women's game, but but even our women got to be careful now because, like you said, they got the WPSL over in Europe and the European side of the game, uh, women's game is catching up to America. You know, and and I had an interesting discussion with the with the current. Uh, women's national team coach, you know, where, where, uh, whereas America, it's always been our mentality. We pride ourselves off of, you know, hard work, hard work, dedication, 
roll your sleeves up. We're going to fight. We're going to outwork everyone. We're going to scratch, fight, fight to try and get a result, you know, but where now is, um, and where it's always been, not where now, where it's always been, um, is the technicality of the game. It, it's, it's very important. And that's something that he said he's emphasizing, uh, and he's incorporating a, a lot now into, into their sessions, you know, and teaching the, the women, the importance of being a technical player, you know, because, from an athletic standpoint, we have the best athletes in the world, you know, but, but, but in the final third, there's only so much space you can run in. Yeah. You got to have clever players on the ball. You got to yeah. have people that can see certain pitchers and be in, intelligent, good poise and composure in front of the goal, where is the hardest part of the game on both sides of the field, right? It's yeah. just like in golf. Uh, the putting is the hardest part. You know, you yeah. can hit your driver, you can hit your driver, you can hit your irons. But it's when you get on that the green play. and that hole so small and it's so compact and it's and it, it, it's overwhelming, you know. And that's where the intelligence is. That's where the finesse is. That's where the creativity is. And you know, and it's how can we produce more players like that? That England yeah. produced the Rashfords, you know, the Wayne Rooney's of, of of the world, you know. Like how can we produce those players in America? And that's something you know that I'm so passionate about. And that's why, like I say, you probably see more growth in yourself now doing the small trainings because like you said you're not being told what to do that's why i love it the most yeah, i get to do yeah. it my, my way i have i have my freedom i get to do it at my pace i'm not rushed there's no pressure um and and it allows me to be more creative because i'm not saying here no one's not saying here's this curriculum this is what i want you to do because this is how these clubs are and these academies are over here now in america right they have a certain curriculum and they say at these uh, in this academy this is what i want the curriculum to be and as a head coach they say i want you to focus on this today you're being controlled yeah that, that's yeah. restricting you from being who you are there's no you can't show your creativity but with what we're doing in the small group in the small coaching in the individual coaching you get to be more creative right you get to build a real more relationship with the player right yeah. there's no there's there's no focusing on winning and losing you know our you know and what i say my version of of developing is winning is the player getting better that's winning that's like scoring a goal that's like that's like winning a, 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 a trophy you getting yeah. better you know and and losing is we're not getting better right but but at the end of the day it's the relationships that you you build with the individuals and they come from all different walks of life and they all need different type of uh, motivations and uh and it not only you know you allowing them to grow but you grow too as much you find yeah. out so much more about yourself that you never knew existed but you wouldn't know this if you weren't doing it the way you wanted to do, right? Because you'd be restricted because you're working under somebody else. What I found is, what I found is, is in myself, whenever I've been successful in my career, it was always around people that believed in me. You know, when I saw, when I saw that a manager believed me and, he, and, and I was important to the team, I always did well. When I saw that, you know, I wasn't important to the team, um, wasn't going to stop me from working hard. Um, but that's when I found out that, um, you get a different person, um, where we're all human beings. We have feelings. Um, we, we tend to respond better when we're in an environment where there's trust, faith, and yep. belief. Right. And so that's, what's been so amazing about what I'm doing right now is, um, how you lift the kid up. A kid can come to you broken, yep. um, can come to you with no confidence can come to the verge of almost to the point of wanting to quit, 
right? In that bond that you build with them, where that bond that you build with them, not only are, that they grow in soccer and become more of a confident uh, footballer, but it's just in life in general, right? When, when, when you build them up and you teach them how to overcome things, right? They take those lessons with them through life because if they ever go through a difficult time or a difficult challenge in life, they're going to know how to get through it because of the experiences uh, uh, that they had with their mentor uh, uh, of being in times of, of, of trials and tribulations. And that's another thing, like you said, that's, that's unique about, uh, you know, the small training and the individual training is the, is the bonds that you really get to, to build without yeah. any real pressure uh, from an organizational standpoint and then parents too as well because parents are so, uh, in club soccer, they're so in America, I don't know how it is in Europe, but parents are so entitled because they pay so much money. Yeah. So when decisions don't go their way, they complain. They write emails to, to the coaches. Why isn't my kid playing? I play. I pay the same amount as money as as the other parents, but these kids are playing more minutes than my kids, right? I'm upset. It's making me upset. Well, that that's that's what's hurting the development in, in yeah. America is because it's that pay to play stuff. Yeah, you know. And so what what I found in Arsenal, Arsene Winger, uh, Winger said it. He said like between five and twelve. Like it's it's all about developing. Yeah, yeah you know, it's not about winning anything. Winning is is a bonus, but it's all about developing the the the, the player he or she uh, to 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 becoming the best footballer they can possibly be. So when it starts to get real, they know how to compete. They know how to conduct themselves. They're yeah. confident in who they are. They know how to see the game. Um, you know, and and we don't have that stru structure here where in America they're, 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 we're teaching kids that if you don't win at six years old, six years old or five years old, you're a loser, you know, and you got kids crying at five years old because they don't feel like they're doing a good job, you know, where at the time they should just be being kids and just learning a new ball movement should be like scoring a goal and yep. it should make them appreciate what they're doing is where we take that, 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 fun part out of the game because you you don't exist if you're not winning you know and so I, I think if if we change the way uh our, our mentality is um on as far as developing goes right the, the players are here man it's some yeah. real talent here in america but we just don't have the right structure like you all do over in europe you know um and that's one of the things that i that i remember my time being over there i, I never used to see parents watching training when those young kids were, were, were training in the academy. You drop them off, parents had to leave. Yeah. Over here, America, they, they drive, they take their kids to training, they pop out their little beach chair, they sit there, they put up a little tent so if it's too hot, they sit there and they'll watch their kids training. And if they're not happy with what they see in training, the, 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 the coach is so approachable. Where that's, It's not like that. If you're complaining in Europe, you're, 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 your parent, you get kicked out of the academy. You know what? Your kid isn't that good. We can go find a ten other or ten a thousand more kids that are just as good as your kid that that are that are willing to come uh, play for us. You know, and so um, the entitlement of parents because they play is another thing that's killing the system and development over here too, and it's killing the players too because the kids are going back at home and they're listening to their parents talk you know yeah. you know and they're seeing the frustrations that it's causing within the in, in the family because the lack of minutes that the kids aren't playing and then you know kids are, are seeing their parents frustrated and it's seeing how it's making the house uh, making a lot of tension in the house and then now 
they're hearing all the bad things that are being said about the coaches. And then now these kids are going to training, not respecting their coaches now because of what they're hearing from their parents, yeah. you know? So it's, so it's a combination of, of, of all that stuff, man. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want to go coach a youth team, even though I wanted to start at gra- grassroots and coach a small team. Yeah. Yep. I saw the entitlement of the parents. And I was like, oh, nah, I, I yeah. cannot deal with the parents <laughs> trying to come tell me about a decision that I made uh, with their kid. I lose, I lose my hat, mate. I'll, I'll lose it. You know, so I was like, you know what? Let me just focus on developing and, and you know, no looking forward to games on the weekend. You can, you can worry about that with your club. Just let me help you become the best version of yourself with my knowledge. And that's why I love what I do. It's fun, man. I look at it more like a hobby. Yeah. It's like a hobby. It's a passion of mine. Like I, I do it. Um, there, there's so many kids, man, that I train for free, like yeah. that, that can't afford extra training, like loads of kids that I train for free, man. Like it, it, it and that, and that I help from afar that can't be in Florida, man, because you know, there's no greater, it's no greater feeling in giving back to the game, what the game gave to me, the game allowed me to be able to provide for my family. Like, and it was, it was faithful to me in the sense of every relationship has its ups and downs. But if it's a relationship worth fighting for, you're going to do any and everything you can to, 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 to keep that, that relationship because it's some about it that you love and you value about it that's worth fighting for. And that's how I go back and look at my career. It was so faithful to me. Uh, uh, to, it was so faithful to me that it doesn't matter how low I was during my career, I was going to always fight fight for that game because of, because of the faithfulness and the way it's allowed me to be able to help others in need. Um, and then it just, it just transferred into my, 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 my mentoring role now. It's just, you know, giving back to the game and, and, and being honest with the kids, not lying to them, not just trying to use my Eddie Johnson name to, to, to get a quick dollar. That's not what it is. You know, um, it's, it's real work, you know, and, and, and when you're working with me, um, the first thing what I always ask to a kid is, you know, what are you looking to get out of this? You know, some of the kids come and they just want to train with you because you're Eddie Johnson. No, if you're coming just to train with me because you want to go back and tell your friends, uh, oh, look, cool, who's my trainers? That's, that's, not, what I'm, that's not what I'm looking for. You know, I, there's only a, there's, there's, there's a certain way, what I tell the kids, there's a certain way uh, uh, that I train. And it's been a part of me since I was a young kid. I was as competitive as they came, you know, and that's the only way I know how to train is being the best version of myself every day and not being second to anyone, right? And with that mentality in life, if you love whatever it is that you love, things may not happen when you want it to happen, but eventually it'll happen because real work, real work prevails in the end. And that's what I teach the kids now. And it's something that these clubs don't teach. It's, it's, it's let's keep everybody happy so we can keep getting their money every year so they yeah. can keep pouring into the, 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 the uh, organization so we can keep growing so we can feed our, our families, right? And I can pay our coaches, you know, but feed our families, you know, let's, let's keep telling the parents, you know what, you know what, I, don't be so hard on your kid, you know, it, in due time, it'll get better, it'll get better. Parents are frustrated, they write these emails, same lies, same, same manipulation, n- manipulating words they use all the time, and then boom, kid becomes a, 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 a senior in high school before college, and then they have nothing to show for as far as, as, far as development. Yeah. When they were young, six years old, seven years old, eight, you can tell parents be patient. 
12, yeah. yeah, be patient. 13, be patient. 14, okay, starting to get serious. Yeah. You've been telling me to be patient for six years now, and I still don't see any, any improvement in my kid. What, what line can you feed me now? Because yeah. I, I see a trainer over there that, that my kid goes and work with. I, I see real work that that trainer's putting in with my kid, but then I come here in my team setting, and, and this is completely different than the work that I'm seeing. And, and the kids get more touches on the ball in a small group setting, uh, and then my kids are standing around most of the time, or they're doing the same stuff uh, for weeks and weeks and months and months, and they're not doing anything. And then now my kids are coming and telling me they're bored. We know what we're going to do every day. You know? yeah. And so what happens over here, and I, I don't know if you experience it over there, these clubs start to get intimidated by good trainers. Because it exposes the lack of what they're not doing in their in their cat in their in their yeah. in their in their teams, and and it's starting to and and us trainers are starting to educate the parents more on what a real environment looks like, you know. So now they can't lie anymore, right? And so they'll tell they'll intimidate certain these clubs over here in these top academies. They'll intimidate parents and say, uh, uh, "In how we work, we don't want any kids doing any outside training. If you're doing outside training." Uh, you'll get suspended and you won't be able to play on the weekend, right? So they're trying to keep the parents away from the people that they find intimidating that are doing the right things, right? And so so uh, uh, another reason why I get so much joy about doing what I'm doing is uh, not only does it expose the lack of what, 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 what uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation and all of these clubs like in Florida, the FYSSA is doing, Right? But it, it educates the parents more, the ones that don't know anything about soccer, what yeah. real work looks like and how their kids need to train on a day-to-day, -day, weekend, and week-out basis in order to give themselves a chance. If you're investing all of this damn money into your kid, you want something to goddamn show for at the end of the day. Yeah. You don't want them to wait till they get their senior year in high school and then a, a, a new kid moves from, let's say, New York to Florida, and then they replace your kid uh, – with York because the kids from New York is better, but your yep. parent has invested thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and been faithful to the club to all to, to now the club tell you, thank you for everything you've done, but this kid is better than your player, but you didn't develop that player. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. just took that player from someone else that had developed that player and you, and you sacrificed someone that's been loyal, that's been waiting for you to develop their player. And so, you know, again, you can't, you, you, what, what I found is, you, you, you can't develop if you're, if you're, if you're under a, a, an association or if you're yeah. under an academy. You can't do it the way you want to do it. It's going to restrict you from being who you are. You're not going to be able to grow. Um, and so um, for me, I'll encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, man, because that's the only way you have a real influence to say, you know what, you know, you know that person's success, you can share it with them because you know you put in some real work, some real work with that, with that, with that player, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I think as well, like there's a few things there that we mentioned. So um, number one about like, like I said, in terms of being able to put your own like stamp stamp mark on it, and um, like I said about the, the parents over here, the parents over here are quite involved as well, and and it's true, like you know, the, the big thing of obviously, don't get me wrong, everybody wants the best for their child. Uh, and they always want to see some sort of development or some sort of growth and especially if they pay money but yeah like the, right. the, the academy system over here is very cutthroat as well and you know you could be very loyal to a club and obviously we don't have to pay for it over here as such but like you know they could be with them for a certain amount of time and then you're gone and you've got no club you have no uh, other sort of avenue unless you have links with clubs or clubs may have picked you up elsewhere and so I think yeah the big, the big thing with like you said the one-to-one -one stuff is or the small groups is that you know, they've got a consistent 
not club, obviously not club, but you know, a consistent pattern within their life and the certain way in which they grow. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I think the, the, again, the word that you used earlier on, mentor, I like that word, like I said earlier on, because with coaches, they would have experienced thousands and thousands and thousands of coaches. And in this day and age, probably even by the age of about eight or nine years old, just because of how many opportunities there are to go to clubs or, or, or sessions, recreational sessions, or they come into their schools. So, you know, coaches almost seem like there's just like they're, they're part of their lives over various different points and various different uh, like periods. But like I said, being a mentor, it's like I said, you're much bigger than that, that just the technical aspects of it. You're there for the person, you're there for the individual, you're there for the family, you're there for the support, you're there for the ups and downs. Um, and yeah, I think it's that much bigger sort of mold to it. Um, I mean, and as well, like you said, um, this is going to kind of lead on to a sort of final point was around your um, social media platform. Now, obviously, I knew he was like this, um, but I didn't know you was doing the big individual one-to-one work and the, you know, the, the big social media work. And, and this is a big thing. I think, like you said, and it's, it's, it's refreshing to hear, you sometimes get, you know, footballers who maybe come out of the game and they go, what do I do? I've got an experience of in, in football with soccer. Let's use it, which is great because I think, you know, it's like I've always used the terminology. I probably wouldn't learn from somebody to cook it, like wouldn't learn from um, a chef if they didn't know how to cook. So, you know, you need Absolutely. to have that sort of um, idealistic of, well, they play football, they've got these experience, they've got the knowledge. I want to learn from them. But like you said there before, the way you give back things, but the way you give things back to the community is incredible because like you said not everyone's gonna be able to afford it um and also the big thing like i said of how i came across your your social media platform social media especially in the terms of where we're at at the moment and the obviously unfortunate circumstances you know the work that you're doing the daily challenges you're putting out for people um the online access of being able to access it wherever you are so you know you don't actually have to visit anywhere and go somewhere you can access it on a click of your phone or a click of your tablet or a click of your internet and it's there for you. You know, you don't just have to say, for example, go to a one-off session. They can look over it again and again and again and again and again um, at their own free will. And I think this is a great thing, again, about like what you do online. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's other obviously coaches out there that do that as well, or mentors or, or influencers out there that do this as well with the whole um, social media aspect of things. But I think it's great in the sense that people, like I said, can learn at their own uh, resources, from their own resources, at their own pace. Um, and doing what's right for them. So um, just kind of like a brief summary, um, what made you go into the social media world? Was it something similar to that? And um, also if you want to share your social media as well, and what I'll do is I'll sort of put it within the links and comments and uh, make sure I put out the word for it as well. That's a, that's a good question. Um, so when I was going through retirement, you know, um, um, and, and, and for any of the former players, uh, um, that are going to watch this, they can, they can, they can relate. You know, you, 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 you're so used to being in a world where everyone loves you as a professional footballer. Uh, and it comes with a lot of, uh, how do I say, a lot of accolades. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're exposed to everything. You know, if it's, if you're playing for a local team, you go out, people want to stop, take pictures with you. You go restaurant, they say you don't have to pay. Uh, just honored to have you here. So like being, a, you know, if it's, you know, you want to go to a concert, you got front row passes and it comes with everything, you know, just the, you know, the, 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 you know, being a, a professional in the celebrity, the celebrity uh, that, that, that came, you know, the fear of losing all of that stuff, you know, to now going out in the real world where no one knows you now because you're not playing anymore. 
um, because they don't see your face on TV no more. Um, you don't feel important anymore. So it was like, it was kind of uh, depressing. I'm not going to lie. When I had to retire, when I was forced to retire, I was like, dang, you know, now or just experiencing how people treat you too when you're not playing anymore because in the professional world, you know how it is. Like you said, it's cutthroat. You know, when, when you see all of these great players uh, finish their career, it's, it's every, it doesn't matter if you're Ronaldo, it doesn't matter if you're Messi, they're going to say, thank, thank you, Messi, for everything you've done. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. And you're like, man, but I did all of this. You know, I've sacrificed myself. I've, I've won all of these trophies for you. I've, I've, I've dedicated all my, I've wore the bag. You know, it's like, it, it, it hurts. And it's like, you know, what can I do where I don't lose that? I don't want to lose that. Yeah. You know, and, and I want to still impact and I want kids to still be able to look up to me like they looked up, looked up to me as a player, um, as, 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 as a role model. And so I was like, I had to figure out something quick. And so what better, what better platform than social media where we get to showcase who we are, you know, everything on our social media is a, is a, is a, um, is a reflection of who we are, you know? And so the whole giving back to the younger generation and, uh, training and posting a lot of content on, on social media was my way of still being relevant still being relevant, but also still growing up knowing that um, someone helped me get to where I am. They afforded all the club fees for me. Um, I couldn't afford it. And if they didn't help me, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't even be doing this interview right now. You know, so it was a way of still being relevant, but still giving back to the game and doing right by the, by the younger generation. You know, have, like you said, them having access, like they can, they can get on my Instagram and there's, thousands of drills that they can do on their own time you know with, without any expense for free you know and so so and, and and like we say you know kids in moderation they only know what they know in moderate in, in, in moderate in, in moderate moderation they don't know things 20 years ago you know yeah. so they don't know these young kids right now eight years old they don't know eddie johnson uh 20 years ago in my career they don't know unless they come from a real football family where they eat, breathe, sleep football, <laughs> you know, but the average yeah. kid in America, they, they only, they only attract to what they see. So it was my job to try and create something that was attractive, where it was going to give me notoriety and, 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 and making it different than what everyone else is doing. Right. But still being able to show my creative side of who I am. Right. And staying true to what I believe in. And so that's what made me, uh, you know, that's what makes me use my uh, social media. And that's why I'm so, uh, you know, you know, big on it is because I get to interact with kids every day, man. There's thousands of DMs that I answer every day. of just talking to kids, kids that I don't even know, man, um, that just come and ask me, you know, real soccer questions. I'm struggling here. Uh, you know, you know, I just wanted to call uh, because, you know, I think it's so cool that these kids get to have you every day as a mentor to be there for them, you know, through time. It's like, what's, what's some advice that you give me? Man, and I sit there and I answer all these kids. But at the same time, I'm answering all these kids. I'm saying, man, it's so crazy. Like, like these kids are in broken environments, man. Yeah. Like, like these, these kids, they shouldn't have to be asking me these questions. They should have access to people or clubs uh, or, or, or their coaches should be so qualified, that should be so driven, should be so dedicated, should be so passionate uh, in helping these kids get better that they shouldn't be reaching out to me. But you know what? Since social media 
allows it to where these kids can reach out to me, I'm going to really make myself different than everyone else. Because I know, and you know too, there's people that train, and, and I hope they're watching because there's some in America, um, that their egos are so damn big. And they haven't accomplished a quarter of what I accomplished in my uh, uh, career. And they charge so much money to do private trainings, right? And I'm, and I'm saying it's sad. You know, yeah. they don't really love that if they charge that much money. You know, like you want to get a little bit for your time. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, it's all right. It's, it's, it's called player development, right? Yeah. Right? Player is first. Yeah. Put your focus and energy into the player. Be so good at it. And if you're developing, the chick-ching will come. But it's chick-ching. These, these, these trainers out here, man. They're out here, and I don't want to give. I don't want to say their name because I don't want to give them no attention. Yeah. I don't want to promote them while yeah. while while we're here. This is about you and what you're doing, and about what I'm doing. And you're doing a great job and what you're doing, and that's why I'm doing this interview. But they know who they are, and out there, they're charging all of this money because they're working with these professional athletes that have big names. But you didn't develop this professional athlete. This professional athlete is already developed. All yeah. they do yeah. is off training work which Play you just to fine tune their 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 skill sets you're not making them better what i ask these trainers post these young kids a before yeah. and then after of you working with them and then now you tell me now you're developing and now you can charge this great money but all i see is you work with a high profile uh player and then they're drawing more uh professional players to you and then all your content is only on professional players but you want to say you're the best developer in the game? You're not developing players. Yeah. You're working with pros that are already developed. You look at my my page, it's all grassroots yeah. kids. I'm putting in real hours with these kids. You know, I'm crying when they cry. I'm frustrated when they're frustrated. Their 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 failures, I feel like I fail. When they, when they win, I win. When their success is my success. Right? We're overcoming all of this stuff together. And that's developing. And that's what I've really uh, been able to do with your media because it's free. You don't have to create a website. Is to show all of these trainers, all of these parents, show our culture what real work is and what real work looks like when you're investing all of your time into the younger generation. Like there's no shortcuts. Yeah. There's, 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 there's no shortcuts. You know, um, I, I train Christian Pulisic, man. And this is a true story. I trained Christian Pulisic, and it's a true story. And you can even put this there. He DM'd me and reached out to me. And I wasn't even working with pro players. I'm working with grassroots kids, yeah. young, talented kids. And this dude is at Borussia Dortmund at the time, and he's killing it, playing Champion League games. And he's reaching out to me saying that there's certain things that he wanted to work on in his game that he admired in my game and wanted to fly to America and spend a week with me and work with him. I had to open up the Instagram again and see if it was a prank because I thought he was, I thought it was a prank. I was like, the hell the prank me? <laughs> calling me to come train with him. He's at Borussia Dortmund. He's in, in one of the best parts of the, uh, the world to, where he can develop. They, they're proven to develop great players out of that, out of that, out of that, uh, out of that, um, organ organization. Um, why is he reaching out to me? You know, but you know, like I said, it's real work, man. Real work doesn't go unnoticed. There's, there's certain things that I was doing that attracted him. And there were certain things about my 
my career and how I played that, that attract him to as well, uh, that he wanted to add a part of his game and make a part of his game to make him more complete. Um, and that's what, that's what made me love that kid even more because as much as he had already succeeded, he had already succeeded so much more than me in his career. Uh, he still haven't played in the World Cup. I played in the World Cup. Um, but as far as Champions League and dominating it in Europe, um, for him to reach out to me, it's kind of like it's kind of like Kobe Bryant when he used to reach out to Michael Jordan. It's kind of like Kobe Bryant when he used to reach out to H- Hakeem Olajuwon. You know, all of those players were different, but he wanted to he wanted to develop a combination of all of those players' attributes to make him a more complete player, so he can dominate the modern racial game. And it's kind of like what he's doing, man. Like, he, he has an old soul, man. Like, he's so ahead of his time. And the average young player, with all of that attention, and we're talking about 3 million followers, they don't reach out to people like that. They don't because they think they're above them, yeah. you know, because yeah. of their egos, you know. And so it just tells you the, the people, the influences that he's been around, why he's so humble and why success is going to continue to follow uh, players like that and uh, is a perfect uh, role model for the younger generation to look at. It's like, look, it doesn't matter how much level of success you reach. You know, you got to always be humbled and willing to be able to learn. And sometimes when you want to learn, maybe it's, it's, it's from somebody that maybe hasn't accomplished as much as you accomplished in Europe. Yeah. But you can always take little bits of people uh, to learn from to make you uh, into the player that you're in. So I use that platform. And then I want to share another thing to you uh, yeah. recently, man, that I, um, uh, that's, that's, that's been overwhelming uh, too since I've been doing this, man, because, man, uh, there's so much that I've had to overcome in order to, to, to kind of get things going. You know, you know, like I said, how the club stop kids from training with you and, and they intimidate these parents that they'll, you know, they'll kick kids off team. So I've had to like always just like, you know what, Lord, real work is going to prevail. You know, they can take kids away from me. Man, I started out training all top academy kids here in the country. They took them all away from me. So then I started having to target girls. And I yeah. never, and I'm not going to lie, I never even lo- appreciated women's soccer. But when they took all of the boys away from me, I had to go and say, okay, let me go give it to the girls, you know, and try and change the culture in girls' soccer and teach them how to be more creative and play with more flair, you know, and, and change the whole style in women's soccer. And then when I started working with women's soccer, I started loving women because there's certain characteristics that women have that are better than boys, you know, yeah. that they pick up on certain things a lot quicker than yeah. boys because they're more mature. Think you know? makers as and, well. and so, and so I started, uh, I started loving training women and I started appreciating training women, but I get a DM from someone that I have a lot of respect from named Carton Cole, Carton Cole, you yeah. know, Carton Cole. Yeah. Yeah. So Carton Cole DM me um, and he messaged me. And he said, where can I find your drills at online for my young boys? And I said, I said, you know what, man? God is good. We're talking about when I was over at Europe, in my time, one of the top English strikers at, at the time when I was over there in the early, mid-2000s, yeah. you know, where he was banging in goals. He was a part of the England squad. He's reaching out to me, an American where he grew up and played with big time players and in big clubs and, and for the England national team. And he's reaching out to me because he see the significance and the importance behind what I'm doing. And he want to make sure that his kids are instilling it. Now, when he reached out to me, I said, you know what, man, Eddie, just keep doing what you're doing. I get praises from Daniel storage. I remember when I first started doing this, Daniel storage used to always message me. 
man, I love what you're doing, mate, with the younger generation over there. When I get time, when I'm over in America, I know I spend a lot of time in LA, but I got to make it down to Florida and do some off-season training with you. I get it from guys like uh, Solomon Kalou. Solomon Kalou's always reaching out to me, who's a good friend of mine, uh, that reaches out to me and tell me what a great job that I'm doing. But in America, it's don't train with Eddie Johnson. Yeah. He's teaching the kids the wrong stuff. And you know, what I get out of that, and it's the reason why soccer will never grow unless it changes, it's called control. America, the higher-ups are a bunch of people that are in control that never play soccer. Yeah. And they know if they give that control away, they're not going to be in control anymore. So we're always going to re reach a certain level of – the game's always going to reach a certain level of success, but it'll never get to where, where it wants to be unless the higher-ups start investing in coaches, coaches and youth, youth directors that are proven to develop high-profile players. It's never gonna, it's never gonna grow. You get MLS players that have no coaching masters that I play with, and I'm not gonna mention their names. They retire, they go straight into head MLS coaching jobs with no badges. Yeah. But you get certain walks of life, and you see where I'm getting at right now. You get certain walks of life that don't have the same qualifications, but if they wanted an MLS coaching job, they get the door slammed in their face. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say without I'm trying to say it, without yeah. me trying to say it. It's just, it's, it's not fair. So what do guys like myself, guys like Jermaine Jones, right, that are getting denied, that don't get the respect, that the other ones get where we had better careers then and played at a higher level that have head coaching MLS jobs, we got to create a platform for ourselves and show our creative side. And, and that's what I've used my Instagram for. Okay, MLS, you don't rate me. Okay, U.S. soccer, you don't rate me. You don't want to give me a youth national team where I can go there and I can develop and show you I can, you know, I can develop great players uh, where all of these young kids should be around, younger guys that have been there and done that to help them get to where they want to be at. If you don't want to help me, all right, I'll find a way myself. And that's the, that's the most important thing about social media. And that's what I always tell my kids. Use your social media. Yeah. yeah. Post your videos. Post your highlights of you when you're in your academies and doing well. Right, because that's all part of owning your development, investing in yourself. Don't wait around for your academies to promote you. Promote yourself. That's what it's there for. It's for free. You know, because you're gonna spark the brains of somebody that's gonna find you interesting and want you to be a part of what they're doing. You know, so yeah. that's why you know, that's something I I I I I encourage the younger audience that's gonna watch this is use your social media as a platform. You know, it it, it gives it gives it gives the world a perception of who you really are. You know, and, and, and what you see on my social media is really who I am. I'm engaged with every kid, every kid that messaged me. And, and you can go from following the ones that all post my videos. You go and you DM any kid that posts my video and, 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 and ask them, has, have they had a, a, a conversation with Eddie? I conversate with all of these kids, man. Yeah, you see it, in the it's, comments it's, as well. It's, it's, it's you supposed to be. You supposed to. Yeah. There's there's nothing that's going on in my world where I'm too in my life where I'm too bit too busy not to to entertain the kids that are gonna help you create what you're trying to create, make come yeah. to life. You gotta put the time in. You gotta yeah. put the time in. Yeah, not totally. Um, I think again, like I said, it's obviously in terms of the journey you've had, in terms of the where you are now, and in terms of what you're doing now, it's literally incredible. Like just listening to, I mean. I know before I said to you, you always try to keep you for about 15, 20 minutes, but it's just incredible listening <laughs> to. No, no, no problem at all. It's, listen, it's incredible listening to the insight. And 
the passion as well of what, what you do. And um, I think, like you kind of said before, you know, there's, there are some one-to-one coaches out there or small group coaches who, you know, like I said, go for the bigger names and they're perceived and seen as the bigger and better coaches. But listen, I'm, I'm very much of the, the um, authenticity of like what you're doing, working with the grassroots, working um, with the real people, not the already made ones. And, you know, like I said, exactly. yeah, put your creative stamp on these things. Exactly. So, um, exactly. Yeah, it's incredible to see what you're doing. Um, and, and like I said, as well, I think that's, again, like-minded people kind of see that and, and respect that and work off of that. And I think, like you said, from the experiences of um, the players that you said have got a touch on you and saying that they're loving your work. Now, so I'm, I'm nowhere near on the level of them players. But like, again, myself, I've come across it. And, you know, you see a lot of people posting things on social media and, you know, you look at it and you think, like I said before, what, what is it that they're trying to do? And you see the journey and you see the story of not only yourself, but of the players as well that you're working with. And, you know, it's, it's, it's credit to the work you're doing. So that's why I thought it was so important to get you on here today, not only just to speak about um, and finding out about more around football soccer in the USA, but like I said, about the work you're doing, because especially in this day and age with, like I said, um, the unfortunate times that we're in, um, I think like the home challenges, the daily challenges you're putting out, incredible pieces of work and it's obviously getting you know massive amounts of reception as well make sure that you follow and subscribe to the daily coaching podcast so that you never miss out on an episode